it, that doesn't mean you need to be a mother. It's like, yo mama, you know? <laughs> it's part of my background, what can I say, you know? So all women are invited, and if your daughters are old enough to enjoy it, bring them along, bring neighbors. Um, we've got people with zebra pajamas and leopard pajamas and all kinds of fun things, or the sweats for the faint of heart. Join us so that we can decorate for Christmas. We also have... Um, and an erroneous message got out, but we have a women's brunch on uh, December the 3rd that is right here. It's called Christmas with the Girls, and we do have tickets that are available in the lobby today for $10. We'd love to have you. We only have one more Sunday before then, so please get tickets or email me, and we want to have you come. Amen. Well, let's stand this morning, and uh, let's speak what we believe this morning and stand with those around the world and throughout history. We believe in God the Father Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day He rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and His kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sin, and the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Bless you as you're seated. We came out of our neighborhood last night, and of course it's getting dark earlier, and uh, the whole neighborhood is now lit up with Christmas lights. Any, any of your neighborhoods like that? It's not even Thanksgiving, and here we are into the holidays. And so the holidays are among us. That word itself usually kind of stirs up some things in each of us. Uh, some of you may be thinking about celebration time, some fun, some time off of work, good food. Um, Time with family for others, time with family, um, stress, um, unmet expectations, maybe some financial stress, you know, going to the holidays. And so it's kind of a mixed bag, isn't it, uh, when we say that word? In our American media culture, of course, uh, every presentation out there of this season is the the Hallmark family where everybody is coming into the home with good cheer and warmth and everybody looks happy all the time and everybody really, really likes each other and get along and nobody's cranky and the kids are absolute angels and never step out of line and the food comes out of the oven all at the same time perfect. You know, nothing's overdone, nothing's weird. <laughs> you know, it's always just your favorite. I mean, isn't that kind of the the picture that we get. Our experience with real human beings is that that's not always the way it works. Uh, that oftentimes people come out of these times a little bit exhausted, a little bit disappointed, maybe hurt uh, a bit. And so, so what do we do with that? Uh, we know that it's God's desire for us to experience peace in this season in particular, for us to experience the fullness of what He has. Matter of fact, in our Pastors' meetings, we've been talking about this Advent season and going to Christ or Thanksgiving and then Advent and this anticipation of all the things that we believe that God wants for you and us 
to experience together. And so we're excited about that. And uh, we believe it's designed to be an incredible opportunity um, to connect on all levels and to have the best of the best. Because sometimes it doesn't quite work out that way in, in our real life. For some, it may be family dynamics. Maybe there's just some odd stuff that goes on there. And it's just, every time you think about going to family and being in the holidays, it's, you just get this little knot in your stomach and maybe some um, missed expectations or things the way, you, the way that you wish it would, would be is, is never turned out that way. Maybe some old wounds or jealousies. For some, it's just the practical issue of making this happen. We remember when we had four little kids and you go and stuff everybody in these houses where, you know, all the family coming together and these bit rooms aren't made for all of these people and you, you know, some of these people you don't see, but a couple of times a year, and it was just the practical adapting to all that process. For some, you're going to be around some people that don't think the way you do. They don't live their life the way you do. You're going to come face to face with people that have made all kinds of other decisions about their life. And for some of you, you may be in situations where, where you're the Christian. You know, you're invited to pray every time because nobody else really does that. And Everybody looks at your life with scrutiny, you know, just watching you inside and out to see what Christians really are like and what they're really about. And some of you feel this pressure that you've got to get everybody saved this, this Christmas. You have, it's, it's been too long. It, it's been going for years now, and we've got, this has got to be the year. We've got to get them all saved. And so there's this, how do we do that, you know? And so anyway, it's just, it's just this mixed bag of stuff. And we've been talking about this in the series united and how important it is for us to move towards each other and uh, how, how important it is to be open to people that think a little different and, and do things a little bit different and that we move towards each other instead of pulling back. Um, but have you noticed that accepting others and the way that they think and their lifestyles gets a little more tricky when you get close to home? You start getting with family, your people, and it gets a little bit more difficult um, to do this united thing. Most of us have some challenges in our families, either our, our close family or our extended family. There's something there that, that creates some challenges. I believe our expectations are so much higher for family. Uh, we need them so much more. We need their love so much more. If we don't get it, it hurts much more. Um, I believe that's a pretty natural thing. I think the way we're designed is there's this kind of ache in our heart for God to, to experience His love, to connect with Him. And, and of human types, these are the ones that should be closest to get that kind of love from. We don't expect that from your average person that's walking down the street, but, but these are our peeps. These are the people you came from, and, and we just need it from them so badly. And oftentimes, it just doesn't come the way we wish. And we get disappointed. So what do we do with that? Being counselors for years, we spend this time of year preparing people for the holidays, preparing them for going home to family situations that sometimes aren't always the best or sometimes trigger things within them, and it keeps them from being pleasant. And then we spend January helping those that have gone through meltdowns over the holiday to really recover from the trauma of being with family. And so what we want to do is we want to share with you today some practical things in the way we think and the things that we do so that when we go into our families, we really can share the love 
of Jesus. We really can have good relationships with them and, and help insulate ourselves in some ways from some of the difficulties that have happened in the years when we meet with families. So we're going to talk about families. We're going to talk about family dynamics. I love the fact that scripture has real people and real families in there because it doesn't take you very long reading in scripture before you find some very dysfunctional families that are in there. So we're going to take a look at some today, and then again, we're going to talk about practical steps to make it a really joyous holiday season for you. The first one we're going to talk about is Joseph in the Old Testament, the son of Jacob. Remember, Jacob had 12 sons, and Joseph was his favorite son. And Jacob didn't hesitate to let everybody know that Joseph was his favorite son. He made him the coat of many colors. You probably remember that. Joseph had dreams from the Lord that showed him that he was going to rule over his brothers. And he didn't hesitate to share that with them. And it didn't go well. Don't recommend that. Yeah. We also don't recommend that you tell which one of your children is your favorite child. Because <laughs> um, we don't have any. Ours are all perfect. Um, so... so Naturally, Joseph's brothers were not really fond of him. He said he was going to lord over them, and dad liked him better. And so there were issues that were happening. So we're going to take a look in Genesis, just a little bit of scripture that talks about Joseph and his relationship with his brothers. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. But they saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamers, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, one of the older brothers, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into this cistern here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe he was wearing that his dad gave him to show that he was the favorite, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty and there was no water in it. As they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. What a great group of brothers. Uh, let's see. Should we throw him in the cistern and leave him there alone? Should we go ahead and kill him now? Or should we just sell him? I don't know. What do you think? Those were some difficult family dynamics. <laughs> and if you think about it, it makes your siblings look a lot better, doesn't it? It's all relative. There are strange and difficult family dynamics in many of our families, and we do see it throughout Scripture. And we might think about the life of Jesus. We would think, of course, in his family that it would be the perfect family, right? And his siblings would all just adore him and think highly of him. And it's not exactly the way we see it. In Mark 3, 20, you look at the whole story. If you just looked at the story of the family, you'd see these kind of things all in, in almost every section. It says, then Jesus entered a house and again a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him before they said he is out of his mind. 
um, John 7, his brothers are, and you kind of hear sarcasm in their voice. Um, it's like, well, why don't you just go into Judea after one of the first miracles? Why don't you go into Judea since you want to be such a public person? You should do this in public in front of your disciples. And if you really want to be that kind of a person, you shouldn't do that in private. And, and so we see this, this dysfunction, certainly. We see this um, antagonism there. We see stuff that we could all kind of maybe have experienced over the years. When you spend time with your family of origin, there's going to be some old stuff that's going to pop up. There's going to be some disappointments or hurts or wounds that will happen. We're, we're around everybody, and we want everything to go so well. And yet, they do stuff that just stirs us up. Do, do any of you have a brother or a cousin who's, who just don't discipline their kids? And you just, just five minutes with these kids. Just, I mean, you know, it's just like... They're, you know, they're running through the house, and, you know, they just let them do whatever, and you just want to pop their little heads off. He's normally not violent. <laughs> wow, I think this is stirring something up here. I think there's some, some holiday trauma that's coming to the surface right now. And so, um, so what do we do about that? How do we not do that? Because that wouldn't be good, you know. Scripture says, in your anger, do not sin. You know, popping heads off is sin. That's, that's not a good thing. And so what do we do about that? How do we, how do we carry the heart of God? How do we carry the, the goodness of this season into our families? Well, our, our feelings and our actions are really a byproduct of our beliefs. What are our core beliefs of how we think about ourselves and how we think about other people? And what are we thinking about? So we're going to talk for a few minutes about what are ways that we can prepare ourselves with the right kind of heart attitude, with, with His heart for those people, even though they may be driving us crazy, realizing that we drive him crazy. And so it's, it's how do we step into those moments with the right attitude? When we had young kids, I had a really close friend. I've told you guys about her son that lived next door. And before we would leave for the holidays, we would go to each other and go, you're wonderful, you're a fabulous mother, you do a great job, and you're darling. <laughs> and we would just repeat it to each other. It's like, remember that when you go into the family. You're wonderful, you're adorable, you're a great mother. You, yeah, so it would, it would reinforce those positive thoughts. So we want to go in with some of those healthy thoughts as we go into the holidays. The first one is you are valuable and fully loved, whether your family can express it or not. Sometimes we have family members that because of their own issues, because of their own upbringing, because of their stuff, they can't share the love that they have for us in a way that we want them to, or even in a way that we feel like we need them to. That's okay. They're humans. They do have their issues. But the good news is we are loved by the God of the universe. And we're not just okay with him. We are fully loved and we are fully accepted. He knows us all the way through. He knows us from the stupid things we did as, as a kid to bumbling through junior high school to the mistakes we've made as, as an adult. He loves us absolutely and completely. We go into the holidays. We can go into any circumstance and say, I'm fully loved by God. And that's not going to change. No matter what I do, he's constant. He's going to continually love me and accept me, even if the people around me don't. The second is you can't change or fix anybody else. The only person that you can affect change in is yourself. 
And yet you are going to see some stuff that you think isn't right, that needs to be changed. And you're going to want to beg God to be the Holy Spirit for just a few minutes. <laughs> just, God, just a few minutes. I mean, these people need to be convicted. You know, they need to understand this. And I will help you in this. If you just commission me, I would, I'm more than happy to help you because you're, you're behind on this one. You know, I've been, you've been needing to do this for some time, God, and I, and I can help you with this. And so we, we step into those moments. The reality is we are poor Holy Spirits. We do not fulfill that role properly. And if you step into that, what will happen almost 100% of the time is you will be approaching it judgmentally. You'll be critical. You'll come across like you're their teacher or their parent. And you will get, not maybe get, you're gonna, they will either shut down on you and run away from you or they're going to come back throwing stones. And it turns ugly. And it is totally ineffective. The very thing that God may be wanting to do in their life, you've stepped in the middle of. And so you're going to see stuff, but we have to be able to see it, hear it, listen, love, um, now, that doesn't mean that we might not have every once in a while, if you have a relationship with uh, a family member that, that has, you've, you've earned some trust there. They know you have their best interest in mind. There's some times we step in with what we call tough love, and, and, and the Holy Spirit may prompt those moments at times. But most of the time, it's our stuff. It's, I want this fixed for other reasons. And make sure that it's His prompting and, and not ours. Speaking of change, do you know how many therapists it takes to change a light bulb? No? The light bulb really has to want to change on its own. <laughs> the next one is, thank you, Lawrence. The next one is, you aren't responsible for them. We go into the holidays having this feeling of, I've got to do something. As Brent says, even if I don't say something, I feel this overwhelming responsibility to fix their lives and to point out the things that are going wrong. You know what? God loves them more than you do. I know you're doing that out of love, but as hard as it is to imagine, God loves your children, your parents, your cousins, grandma and grandpa, even more than you do. And he has a greater ability to orchestrate the circumstances in their lives, to convict them, to speak the word that they need to hear, to surround them with the people that they need to be surrounded by in order for them to have their lives changed. He's constantly pursuing them. He wants them. He's wooing them. And so it's okay when we get in those circumstances to go, oh, I want them to change so much. Rather than step in and, as Brent said, try to be the Holy Spirit, it's okay to say, God, I am releasing them into your hands, and I trust that you love them and that you are at work in their lives, even if I don't see it. I trust in you, and I trust in what you're doing. The next one is they are not a reflection on you. Um, performance issues in our world are very subtle in some ways. A lot of times... We think we have good reasons on why we want people to change. But the reality is it's really more about us than it is about them because they embarrass us or they have a, they, there's a reflection that they have um, that's, that's going to be back on us somehow. A lot of parenting 
un, is un, unhealthy because it's more for the parent than it is for the kids because my kids are making me look bad, and so I step into that instead of really disciplining them in a healthy way. I step into that in an inappropriate way. And so what's the motive um, is what we have to look at. Another thing is I've realized this, that, that um, a lot of times we want people to change in these family system situations uh, like Thanksgiving and Christmas because we start seeing ourselves in some of them. We start seeing little things about them that we do. And it makes us nervous. Am I, am I becoming that? And so I need to change them. I remember the very first time that uh, I said something to my kids that I said I would never say to my kids. <laughs> and it just was there. It just popped out. It's like, that's the very thing I said I would never say to them. But it's kind of what, what was said to me, and we just kind of keep passing that on. And so got to guard our motivations. Mm -hmm. You can love them without getting their approval. You may have made some choices for your life some very good choices for your life that your family may not agree with or may not approve of. It's okay. You can love them anyway. One time after we came home from Thanksgiving from one side of the family, um, <laughs> which will remain anonymous, um, Brent, um, we, we got a phone call that the family said after we left, they all got together and they talked about it and they decided that if we would take our kids out of private schools, we could use that money so that we could go on vacations more with them. Thank you very much. Um, a lot of people have a plan for your life. And it's not necessarily God's plan for your life. And that's okay. You are different than they are. You have your own life circumstances. You are listening to what God is telling you to do for your life and for your family. And it's okay if they don't agree. You're not going to agree with everything that they choose either. You're different. You are you and they are them. And it's okay. But we can still love each other and enjoy each other and have a good holiday together and share the love of Jesus even if we're making different choices and even if they don't approve of our choices. The next one is no matter how much you talk, they will not totally understand you. We have this thing about us that we tend to think that if I can just explain myself a little bit more and keep explaining it, eventually they'll get it. And eventually they'll agree with me. Because again, I'm right. And so if I can just keep talking, Eventually, they're going to get it. <laughs> I wasn't going to look your direction. Um, <laughs> no, they won't. <laughs> Until we do brain transplants, you'll never totally understand each other. It's not going to happen. You do the best you can, but where we're going to end up is this is what you think, this is what I think, and it's not the same. That's okay. Um, and we've got to be okay with that and not go on and on. They will never understand really what it is that you need. They're not going to know how, how, why you make certain decisions that you make. They're not going to understand how to even take care of you. But that's where we trust that somebody does know. Mm -hmm. Somebody does know and does care. And it may even be really painful things from your childhood. There may be things that have occurred that 
your family just doesn't get why that hurts you. They don't get why it's awkward or why this is a difficult circumstance for you. Beth Moore in one of her videos talks about how she finally had the chance to confront her abuser that had abused her as a child and she sat in a room and she poured out her heart and she told him all of the things that she had gone through and the results of the abuse and she looked in his eyes and she went, he doesn't get it. And she said she walked out of the room and just stood there and went, God, he doesn't get it. I poured everything out. I told him everything and he doesn't get it. And God whispered in her ear and he said, I get it. I get it. You know what? They don't have to get it. God gets it. He loves you. And he's the one that has the ability to heal you, to restore you, to make you whole. The one who gets it is the one that's the solution for your healing. So it's okay if they don't get it. You can go, God, it's hard for me sometimes that they don't get it. I'm so grateful that you do. And I'm going to trust my life into your hands. And I'm going to turn even the pain and even the twinges that come when I'm around some of these people. I'm going to turn that over to you. And I'm going to trust you for your healing. Our job is to love our families. Full force, unconditionally, whatever they're like. We are to love our families and to show the love of God to them. Sometimes we need some practical steps in how to do that. And so we're going to talk about just a couple practical action steps to prepare yourself to go into this particular season. The first one is to, is to really celebrate what you have. C.S. Lewis says that we often miss the present good that God has put in our lives because we want the anticipated. We have this hallmark vision in our mind. We want it to look like this and to be like this. And we all still have this little six and eight-year-old in us that woke up on Christmas morning in wonder of this amazing thing that happened. And pretty much everybody in this room now are adults, and we realize that Christmas takes a lot of work. <laughs> it costs a lot of money. Uh, we don't quite have that wonder any longer, but we, yet we, 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 we long for that, and and sometimes we miss the very good that we have. We uh, had an, a, a situation a few years ago. A number, our, of years number of years ago when our kids were little. It might have been the year that she got the phone call. <laughs> I think that the might. Or the year after. I think it might have been that one. Um, anyway, it was just not real good year. And, and uh, we usually, we live a lot, of, uh, a lot of miles away from our family. We always have. And so we've always had to work really hard to connect um, with them over the holidays, and it just was not working out, but things weren't, anyway, just, just, just was kind of messy, but we were desperately trying to figure out how to have a good Thanksgiving for our kids, and they were all young at the time, and so we found a place over in Arkansas, a condo in kind of a mountain area that was, looked good in the magazine, and, and we were going to go rent it, and we thought, well, okay, we can, we can uh, get you know, Janice loves to cook. She's a great cook. And so we can stop at a store along the way and, and get all the turkey and the fixings. And we'll just have this great spread. And we'll turn the fireplace on. It'll be a beautiful time together. Well, on the way, I did say it was Arkansas, right? Um, on, on the way, there weren't any really big cities. And nothing was open at the time. And so we finally found a little market, um, some kind of store, that had a Thanksgiving dinner in a box. 
And it just wasn't quite the vision that we had of what this was going to look like. And, and, uh, uh, and it was like 25 degrees out, but we found, we, we got this place because it had a little outdoor sports thing for our kids. And so we're out there 25 degrees playing putt-putt with our kids, you know. And, uh, but God gave us the ability to, 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 to see. It's still actually a really cool memory for us. Now, our kids, we think our kids are traumatized over this, but, but uh, it actually was, a, as we think back on it, it's really one of those very fond things that we did this as a family, and it was cool, and, and it kind of tasted like turkey. And that's it. Paul said, I've learned to be content in all circumstances. We can look for the positive things in any circumstance that we have, and we can celebrate that. It doesn't have to be perfect. It's never really going to be perfect. So we can celebrate what we have instead of grieve over what we don't have. We choose to have good holidays by making plans. Sometimes our holidays uh, kind of go awry because we think if we can just get everybody together in the same place and have food, then it's going to be fine. But you have all different ages of people, people in different stages of life, people that haven't seen each other for a long time. And sometimes getting them all together in the same room with food is not all that pleasant. And so we have to look at how do we make plans that work for the entire family. When we used to take the kids for long trips on Thanksgiving, we would go up to the family and oftentimes they would have the entire time that we were there planned. And they planned it for everybody to go together, all the couples, all the grandkids, which was great, except the other grandkids were a lot older than our kids. And so sometimes the things that they would plan were either too boring for our kids or too scary for our kids, or it was too hard for them to sit still for that long after having been in the car for hours and hours and hours. And so what was supposed to be this wonderful family time all together ended up with meltdowns and ended up being stressful and difficult. That idea of everyone all being together is a great idea, but it may not be practical. And so we have to look at what works for your family? What works at this time? It may be what we chose to do is go, guys, you go on to the movie without us. We'll all meet for dinner later. We're not together all day long, but it ends up being pleasant, and it ends up being a positive thing instead of turning into a negative. Along with that, just because you have seven days off work doesn't mean you have to spend all seven days with the family. Ann Lander says relatives and fish stink after three days. <laughs> and so it may be best for you if you take a couple days in a hotel or you stay at home and have a little quiet time before you go spend time with the family or you have decompression time on the way back and take a couple days off. I would rather have three days with my family where I'm driving away going, I love them and miss them so much. I can't wait to go back again. Instead of seven days where I drive away and go, I never want to see those people again. <laughs> do we have to do that next year? So it's better to have short times that are positive than long times that end up being traumatic for everybody involved. Parents of grown kids, remember, some of your kids, this is their only vacation time. And so they need those extra couple days. Don't be offended if they take a couple days to be just with their family or just together as a couple. It's their only vacation time, and so they may need that time to just be together. And grown kids, 
Remember, your parents are no longer used to the noise and clutter that your family brings into their home. <laughs> when, you know, when my kids were little, we did blanket forts in the family room and kept them up for days, and we had Legos everywhere, and I, I would have laundry on the couch sometimes if we were playing a game. Now, a messy family room is a Starbucks cup sitting on the coffee table. Yes. <laughs> the noise in my house is the furnace kicking on. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much it. There's just not a lot of noise. Sometimes I hate it because it's so quiet, but we're not used to that anymore. And so <laughs> mom and dad have grown kids, grandma and grandpa, it's okay for you to go to Starbucks. It's okay for you to go take a movie by yourself. You can get away for a little while for peace. We want to balance everyone's needs and get away from this unrealistic expectation that we can all be together all the time for all these days, and it's going to be wonderful. I had to give up the fact that my dream was always to have my grown children sitting around a table with me working on a jigsaw puzzle. My children hate jigsaw puzzles, every one of them. Not mentioning any names, but my daughter-in-law hates jigsaw puzzles. <laughs> my husband hates jigsaw puzzles. Oh, I, baby, I give her a hug. <laughs> I'm lonely. <laughs> I had to give it up. And so throw out some of those expectations and go for what works for us so we can love each other and we can enjoy each other and it can be a pleasant time that we're together. Give yourself exit points. Um, even Jesus had exit points. There were times where he all of a sudden just said, he was doing ministry, and all of a sudden he just said, I'm going over here by myself, and I'm going up into the woods and going to pray, and part of that probably was just getting away from, from stuff. And I've always thought, thought about that. I mean, the disciples had to be kind of freaking out. You know, we've got a whole group of people here that, you've been, that need to talk to you, and, and, but he knew what he was about. He knew what he was to do, what he was not to do. Uh, he made those choices. Having a lot of people in close proximity creates stress in these circumstances. You add to that um, some unresolved family issues. You add to that your cousin who just loves to tell the story about how much of a loser you were growing up. Um, you know, just, he just has to go over that every single year, you know, bless his little heart. Um, and so it's okay to have exit points. Um, but plan them. It's okay to decide that we're going we're gonna to go do this. We're going to take our kids and do this, or we're going to go to get coffee, or we're going to go take a nap, or we're going to say we're going to go take a nap and go read. We're going to do whatever. It's okay. Um, and these are very important to pre-plan these. I learned this. I've been married almost 34 years now, and uh, I did not know this early in early marriage, uh, that you need to have secret signals, that you need to plan these secret signals. And these secret signals are something like a tug on the ear or a certain <coughs> whatever. And what that means is, if we do not leave this house <laughs> in the next five minutes, I will kill somebody. <laughs> That's what that means. And you, you receive that secret signal, and you simply go, guys, we're going to run to Starbucks. Anybody want anything? Don't have to ask. Don't have to quit. Now, again, I was not very smart when this early marriage and she was trying to give me the secret signal, which we hadn't decided yet. But she gave me the look. You all know what the look is, right? 
And I'd go, what? <laughs> what? Nothing. <laughs> Those were very bad, very bad things. Um, I'm having some trauma right now, some early marriage trauma right now. It's coming back to me at this very moment. You know, I just had the thought that our kids go to Starbucks a lot on the holidays. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Gee, I wonder why. It's a, <laughs> I, I don't pressure them about jigsaw puzzles anymore. <laughs> Other thing we have to do is prepare ourselves ahead of time, prepare our answers ahead of time, especially if you've had some kind of life change over the year that people are going to want to ask you about. Maybe you've gone through a divorce. Um, maybe you've had some trouble with your teenager. There may be other circumstances that have happened, and there's just those people in the family that want to know the details. You know, your family loves you, and they really are concerned about you, whether it seems like it or not. They love you, and they're concerned about you. But sometimes they will ask you questions about a sensitive thing that you're just not ready to talk about. And oftentimes, if they catch us off guard, we find ourselves spilling all this going bleh and saying all this stuff that is more personal than we ever intended to share at the Thanksgiving meal. And so I would encourage you, think that through ahead of time and plan your answers. So when they come up to you and say, why did you get a divorce? Or why are you not married? <laughs> Do you people just not want to have children? What's the deal? What's, what's up with your son with the blue hair and the extra piercings this year? Prepare your answers ahead of time so that you can say something. So if they say to you, why are you not married? You say, Aunt Edna, I haven't ever found anybody as great as Uncle Fred yet. What's the deal with the blue hair? Isn't he adorable? He is the most creative of all my kids. We just love his creativity. And if you can't come up with those answers, it's really okay to say, thank you for your concern. You know, I'm just not comfortable talking about that right now. Thank you for praying for me, but that's just not something I really want to share right now. Even the most persistent person who goes, but what about this? But, but, but that keeps asking questions, if you just continue to go, Thank you so much. Oh, you're so kind. You know, I'm not comfortable sharing with, about that right now. Thank you, but you know what? I really don't want to talk about that right now. Continue to be gracious, but continue to repeat. I'm not comfortable talking about that right now. And even the most persistent person will eventually let up. You're not on trial. You don't have to prove anything to your family. We are just gracious and loving, but we don't have to share any more than we are comfortable with sharing at that particular point. We want to have joyous holidays, and we don't want to leave feeling vulnerable or exposed. We want to leave feeling comfortable and at peace with our family members. Uh, look for the good in every one of your relatives. They all have some redeeming qualities. They are made in the image of God. Uh, the image might have gotten a little fuzzy on you, um, but there are things in them that are of great value. And look for those and focus on those. It really, it, your attitude towards them is determined by what you choose to focus on. If you focus on those irritating things, the things that bug you, then your attitude will follow. If you focus on those positive qualities, Aunt Edna, gosh, you've been so faithful playing the 
the uh, organ at the church for 50 years. I value that in you. We speak life to people in those ways. Um, some of you may have one of those uncles that could talk for an hour and a half on why the new bird feeder that he got for the backyard is so unique and the different kinds of birds that come in different seasons and everybody's about to fall out, you know, on the couches. But yet he's this endearing guy. You know, he, he always asks questions about the kids. You, in, instead of just focusing on that that's irritating, focus on that that is, reflects the image of God. Look for ways to be a blessing. That may be that you have a relative that's had a difficult circumstance that year, and you run interference for them. If you know there's a certain relative that's going to say something to them, you stick right with them, and you come in with an answer when they can't say something. Or you go and say, hey, would you help me with the mashed potatoes? And you pull them out of that circumstance. Watch for people that you can bless, that you can love, that you can help protect, that you can be there to help it be a good holiday for them. And then also look for practical things that you can do. Watch the dishwasher. See if it's full and empty it. See if it's empty and fill it up. Watch the trash. Somebody's got to take the trash out. Be there to take the trash out. Watch to see if you're running low on milk or toilet paper and run to the store. It's also an exit point. Run to the store <laughs> and get things to help them. Find ways to be a blessing. Years ago, we saw that my mom was getting stressed out over the holidays because she wanted everybody at her house. And we started just going, Mom, let us bring all the food. Let us handle all of that. Our next step was let all, all of us stay in a hotel. You don't need to have us. You need your quiet time. So we'll do this. Find ways to be a blessing to the people in your family and express gratitude. Thank you for having us in your home. Thank you for driving all the way from Colorado to be with us. Thank you for being such a great example of a married couple that we've watched all of our lives. Thank you for the way that you've been faithful to your church and been such a blessing in so many lives. Thank you for being a, a model of how to raise children. I've learned a lot from that. As Brent said, there's good in everybody, and we can look for that, and we can share that so that we can bless them. We are bringing love into our family. We have the love of God. We have the acceptance of God, and we can bring that to our family and share that with them. Some of our family has a lot of mil lots of milk and toilet paper. So. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, remember that... Everyone is facing their own stuff. Everybody that you encounter is facing their own issues, their own insecurities, their own fears. And sometimes you get in the way. Uh, hurt people hurt people. Uh, C.S. Lewis says, always remember that everyone you meet is fighting a battle of some kind. We're humankind. We're broken. We're, we're trying to find ways to mend our life. We, people of faith, are seeking God to help put the members of our uh, ourself back together to help heal and restore and recover. People look for all kinds of things in their life to try to fix their needs. Some of those things are not healthy. Some of those things are counterproductive, but they're in a battle. And I kind of envision it's like they've taken a two-handed sword and, and they're just whacking and they're just, they're fighting the battles of their life. And sometimes I don't even know where the battle's coming from. Sometimes I don't understand what the battle is even about. Um, but in that, in that fight, there's oftentimes where they'll accidentally rear back and they'll hit you with the hilt of their sword. 
It's, and, and we take those things personally. Uh, sometimes they feel very personal, but realize that they're in their own battle. And if we can take on that, that image of understanding how people operate, that out of their own hurt and pain and fear, they do all kinds of stuff that hurts other people. But if you can get that vision of them, that's the way that God looks at us. He recognizes why we do what we do, the, why we misstep, why we do things hurtful. That's why he keeps loving us, and he keeps loving us into health and wholeness. And that's the model that we need to follow. We need to love people into health and wholeness. You step towards them. It's, sometimes when you get hit with that sword, you want to step back, and you don't even want to go close there again. But what we're talking about as people of faith, is this is about taking what he's put in us. He's forgiven us. He's, he's loved us. He's accepted us. He's given us a plan and a purpose for us to reach out to others. It's when difficult things happen, even particularly when they're real close to us and hurt the most, that we step towards them. And so what does that look like for you um, this holiday, over the Thanksgiving holidays, over Christmas? How do we step towards those? Let's pray this morning. Father, we see you as an amazing Father. Lord, the reality that you see every single part of us, that you know every thought, that you recognize every motivation of our heart, and you still love us, that you still accept us, that you still value us as yours. Lord, that just is amazing to us. Lord, we want to be that towards others. Lord, these families, I know that, that uh, our, our heart longs for the acceptance and the, and the love and the support that sometimes we don't get. But thank you that you are there. Thank you that you are the Father to the fatherless, Lord, that you step into those moments. And so we trust you to transform us so that we can take the, the, the blessing that we have and, and bless others with us, with that. We trust you for that and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just stand